You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. It's great to have you here, uh, particularly on this long weekend. We continue a, a series that we've been looking at, a series called An Unconventional Freedom. And really what we've been doing for uh, the past couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks is that we've been looking at the various aspects of the cross. Uh, I shared last week that the cross is almost like the the Grand Canyon. There is a a, a size and a scope to it that when you get to the very edge of it and gaze into it, it's so big it's two-dimensional. And that only until you begin to traverse down all the canyons and the cracks and crevices can you appreciate its grandeur and its majesty. And so we looked at things like how the cross is an unconventional freedom because it's both a freedom from and a freedom for. That freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but it's finding the right restrictions for your life and submitting yourselves to that. And so what we see in the cross is that our first couple of weeks is that it's been a freedom from. It's a freedom from the world, a freedom from OPOs, other people's opinions. Uh, that last week, it's a freedom from guilt, not only the factual guilt that we have in our lives, but the feelings of guilt in our lives. And tonight, the last freedom from that we'll look in this series, we'll see that the cross is a freedom from yourself. A freedom from yourself. How's that going to work? Uh, well, it's almost a two for one. It's a put two in one tonight because really we're looking not only just at the cross, but of course, it being Easter Sunday, the resurrection. And so that's why we're going to look at First Corinthians Chapter 15, verses 17 to 19. And just two verses. Paul writes here, And if Christ Jesus has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. If only for this life we're to have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all people. Uh, Tracy Spicer wrote a great article today in the Sydney Morning Herald. It was a fantastic article, actually, because it resembled what the stereotypical Sydney cider looks like when they approach the topic of Easter. Uh, she, she wrote in here in one of the paragraphs, uh, she, she talks about how she took her son to church and she was, he was asking her as a a non-Christian mum, all these questions about Christianity. And she said, it all began in the year 211 AD at the Church of the Holy Ghost on Fire, or something to that effect. We were there for a wedding. Church doesn't otherwise happen in our family. And seeking solace from a sermon about sin, I shared with Taj, that's her son, the greatest story ever told. No, darling, not the Lord of the Rings, the Lord of all things. To him, Jesus sounded like a superhero. Fighting the bad guys, being nailed to a cross and rising from the dead. And so, inevitably, the child of a pair of non-believers was touched by that Holy Spirit. And Taj declared, Mum, I don't care what you believe. Jesus is real and he's awesome. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was a great article because, this, look, there's always two types of people at Easter. There's the Tracys and then there's the Tajs. She goes on to say all sorts of different things, the way that, uh, you know, look, she doesn't understand Christianity much, but it's a nice principle and it's good for life. And she throws a few proverbs in there. And then you've got Taj. I don't care what you believe. Jesus is real and he is awesome. (laughs) There's always two types of people when we come to Easter. 
You can either look at Easter as a symbol for how things go in history, or you can see Easter as an event or a power that has totally changed history. That you can either look at Easter as a spiritual principle, and particularly the resurrection as a spiritual principle of how things operate in the world. A nice proverb of, oh, things are bad, but they're going to get better. There's life on the other side of death. There's spring on the other side of winter. That's Easter as a principle. Or you can see it as an event or a power from the outside of nature and history that's come to intervene and change the very way things work. And what I like about the resurrection is because it's as harsh as everyday life. It's, it's, it's a Stanley knife. It's not a butter knife. That is, it's sharp. It's so sharp, as we saw in this verse. When you come to the doctrine of the resurrection, as it's presented in Scripture, it examines and it divides. It always says, if resurrection, then this. If not resurrection, then this. There's no in-between. What Paul is saying is if Jesus Christ was bodily raised from the dead in this historic event, then that changes everything. We do have hope. There is hope for this world. It changes the way that we look at ourselves. It changes the way we look at our neighbors. It changes the way that we look at the poor. It changes the way that we look at history. It changes the way we look at our future. But he says if Christ isn't raised, it doesn't mean diddly squat. It's a Stanley knife, not a butter knife. And if it's true, then Christian life means you've got to go back to that Christian, to that doctrine time and time again and constantly reacquaint yourself so it oozes out of you like a power like you've never seen. And it is a power. But if Christ was not raised from the dead bodily, let's not talk about the symbol of it. If Christ was not raised from the dead in history as a fact, let's just pack up now and go home. I'm in trouble as a profession. If it's not a power, if he wasn't raised in Christianity, he has nothing to say. There's no hope. There's no exhortations. There's no inspiration. It's either all or nothing, says Paul. There's always a Tracy and a Taj at Easter. That's what we saw. And so the question we're going to ask is, how does the cross, how does the resurrection, how does this whole package of Easter in one free you from yourself? Here's the first way that it can free you from yourself. It frees you from your own sense of weightlessness. The modern person, you know, they're very skeptical about the resurrection, aren't they? Look, it's very normal, very intelligent, very educated for the Sydney sider to say, Oh, the, the, look, the, the resurrection is fine. You can believe in that. It's a wonderful idea. This is what Tracy says. Renewal, springtime, circle of life, Disney, rebirth. It's all very wonderful. <laughs> but we can no longer believe in the literal doctrine of the resurrection because, well, the fact that he was physically raised from the dead, why not? Well, because those things are then no longer credible. We're a modern people. We're a refined people. You know, those legends of old, they're, they're good. They had its purpose. But the modern person, come on, let's be serious. We've grown up. We've come of age. We've matured. Here's the problem with that. It doesn't solve the problem of the constant breaking in of the notion of death. Uh, one commentator gives a great illustration. He says, imagine somebody comes to you and says, tell me what you enjoy most. And so you say, I, I love watching football. 
And so uh, he, he says, okay, well, what do you love doing? The other person says, I love listening to the Hallelujah Chorus on my particular CD that I have here. And they say, fine. And then that person says, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to kill you in an hour. I've got a gun right here. I'm going to kill you in an hour. And so what I want you to do is, in the meantime, I just want you to go and enjoy yourself with what you like doing. Just go and do whatever makes you happiest for the next hour. And what would you say? That's not fun. <laughs> That's not fun at all. It's, it's constantly breaking. I don't think the football game or I don't think the CD is going to mean anything to me now. How the heck can I enjoy that? And the commentator says, why? He says, don't, don't you realize that all of life is merely a gun to your head? The death is inevitable. It's inevitable. And this is the problem. How can you have any joy in life unless you deny or minimize your mortality? In other words, how can you have any joy, any sense of, of happiness until you begin to push away or deny your own sense of weightlessness? <laughs> that as the Bible says, your life is merely a mist. And in fact, it also makes accomplishment meaningless then. You know, people say, I want to be able to do something in life. You know, I'm, I'm not up for this resurrection stuff, but I want to do something that's meaningful and purposeful. I'm going to build stuff. I'm going to have a legacy. I'm going to have, I'm going to have an empire. And you say, well, okay, fine, go do it. You know, how, how long are you going to do it for? You know, even, I don't know, what are you going to do? Um, build a pyramid. Build a pyramid. Actually, that would be a good idea. Build a pyramid. They seem to last for thousands of years. We don't even know who built the pyramids. But we know pyramids will still crumble, right? We even know pyramids are going to fade and see if death is really the end. And if death is really it, then there is no meaning. There is no joy. There is no accomplishment. Accomplishment means nothing. And if death is really the end, then it means you're always anxious. You're always anxious about the weightlessness. It's always breaking into you. How does all I do mean anything? How does all I do weigh anything? And into this comes a message of the resurrection. Paul doesn't say in 1 Corinthians here, or will believe, believe because you need it. Believe because this is philosophically sound. He doesn't say that. You know, people would have said that. You know, oh my gosh, of course I need it. And in some ways, you know, there are lots of there are lots of thoughtful people out there. Lots of thoughtful people say, look, this whole resurrection business and in fact and whatever. Look, you know what? I, I, I don't need to worry about the fact of it. The, the, the point is I believe that I'm a good person and all that matters in life is that I lead a good life. And look, if we go to the grave and we die and rot and the worms come in, then that's it. But I, you know, I think being a good person, I've thought it out. That's what really matters. And Paul's saying, no, if, you th if you've thought it out, you'd be saying, I need this. I need this beyond I need this promise. I need this sense of life after death. Why? Because we are irreducibly hope-based creatures. That is, our, our present life, our present behavior is affected by our believed-in futures. And if there's nothing beyond, how can we make sense of anything? And so what does Paul say? Paul, does, Paul doesn't say, look, believe in this because it's philosophically sound. He says, believe, believe in this because it's true. 1 Corinthians 15, he goes on to say, there were 500 people at one time saw Jesus raised from the dead. This was written 20 years after. He's saying, and back in the 70s, we all saw it. We were there. We're, we're all hanging out in the dirt at the Woodstock of Jerusalem. We saw the guy. 
Look at the evidence. And, and here's the practical application for the modern person. Look, first of all, do you know what's really underneath all of your anxiety? Do you know what's underneath your sense to, and the drive and the restlessness to accomplish stuff and to do things and that you're never good enough? Do you know what's underneath all of your new diet and your new clothes? You know what's underneath all that? You want to last. You want to last. You want to believe that you're not a wave upon the sand deep inside. We all know that we want to, we all want to know that we count. We, we don't want to get the sense that we're weightless. We don't want to be a dream. We don't want to be a phantom or a ghost that vanishes. We want to last. We want to count. You have no idea how bad you want this. And so a Christian gets the resurrection into the center. And you know what they start to do? They say, you know what? At the cross, if, if this guy Jesus would come in and die for me, then I do count. And if he is like the royal of all the royals, you know, if he makes Wills and Kate look like paupers, if he's the guy that people should be hanging out for years just to catch a glimpse of in the car, if he comes down and dies for me, then I must mean something. I must be worth something. I must weigh something. I, I must be something. And suddenly there's a deep, deep comfort that the cross and the resurrection brings. But you know what? Even... Even as the cross and the resurrection bring you a comfort for your weightlessness, it does something else tonight. Here's the second thing it does. The cross frees you from your desire to live for yourself. That was the challenge of all the great philosophers of old. Uh, there was often two different schools, the, the Epicureans and the Stoics. And the Stoics, you know, they would, we know what the word Stoic means, is you're Stoic. Even if there's nothing beyond death, be strong, be courageous. Buckle up. And the, Ep the Epicurean said, well, if there is nothing beyond death, then have fun. Party. <laughs> hey, out. Has anyone got any Stoics or Epicureans in their life? <laughs> anyone been a Stoic or Epicurean? Anyone still a Stoic or Epicurean? <laughs> you know, and here's the problem. The problem with those schools of thought is there's never any incentive to live any sort of life other than yourself. And here's why, because the Stoics say, well, look, it's all just an illusion anyway. Have fun and after a while you're going to die and it's all going to be over. What difference does it make? You can't make any difference in this life. It's just one big mess. So who cares? What difference does it make? Why live for anyone else except for yourself? And the Epicureans say, well, you better not sacrifice for someone else. You know, certainly don't give a lot of your money away. You only go around life once, so buckle up. But Christians... Christians, you know what the, the resurrection shows us? <laughs> they, they, the resurrection shows us. You know, Acts chapter 1, the, the, the risen Jesus, uh, living, walking, teaching, eating fish with the boys. Physical Jesus, not ghostly Jesus. And it shows that God loves bodies. God loves the world. He loves matter. He made matter. He inhabited a body in Jesus Christ and he raises that body up. And he hates poverty and he hates disease and he hates pain. And so the Christian begins to say, look, if, if God loves the things that I instinctively love and if God hates the things that I instinctively hate, like injustice and suffering, then I can give myself to that. I can be a part of that. I'm up for that. Because the physical world's not temporary. God's going to redeem this world. It's going to last forever. And when I die, I'm not going off to some cloud or never, never land. You know, I'm going to have friends still. 
I'm going to eat. Hopefully it's not fish because I don't like seafood. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hug in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be hugged in the kingdom of God. My feet won't float over the streets. I'll feel every inch of those, that payment of gold. And what it means for us, brothers and sisters, Christians, our future, our future is a personal one, not a nebulous, cloud-like one. Our future is a physical one, not a ghostly one. Our future is a sure one. Our future is sure, so we are free to live life for others in the present. Now, can't you see? Can't you see if you don't have this? Can't you see if you don't if you don't have if you don't have this beyond? How in the world can you face the problems of life? How in the world can you face death itself? C.S. Lewis says, when a Christian understands the resurrection, the Christian says, I know that the worst thing that happens to me, when death itself comes upon me, all it can do is make me into a blindingly, radiantly immortal person who actually pulsates throughout with such energy and love and nobility and joy that no one can now imagine it is to become a bright, stainless mirror reflecting back to God his own boundless power, love, Goodness and delight. That's what a Christian has in front of them. Have you seen it? Have, have, you ever seen a, have you ever seen a Christian who gets that's what's in front of them? I, I did the other week for the first time in a long time and our brother Warwick Bramall who is part of our family. Many of you may not have known him who is part of our morning congregation. And when I first walked into that room, you could see just in his body the way that the cancer was just eating him alive. And in, in the frailness and the ugliness of that impending death, there was a strength and there was a confidence. And there was a resilience and there was an assurance. In fact, that's why I picked this verse because Graham, our senior pastor, he, he took it to him. This is what 1 Corinthians 15 is what Warwick held on to. He pulled his boys around him. He said, look, if, if, if Christ is not raised, then this whole thing doesn't matter. So what does it mean? It means if the resurrection of Jesus is true, everything else is unimportant. Everything else is unimportant. This is what you must live for now. But on the other hand, what it means is if the resurrection of Jesus isn't true, well then guess what? Everything else is unimportant anyway. Think about it for a sec, please, guys. Look, some of you tonight, you, you know, you Tracy Spices. You, you don't really believe in the resurrection. Christianity's got some nice principles. And so let me... As I finish, let me first talk to those who are yet to follow Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are here. I'm glad that you're here. If you don't believe in the resurrection, we're delighted that you're here. We're delighted that you would at least have this entree to Christianity. In fact, I'm delighted that you would put up with this for the last 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> but if you don't follow Jesus yet, please realize that there is... There's a tremendous bias that we all have before we commit to Christianity. It's, it's like a judge who knows full well that they're about to make a judgment that will irrevocably change their life. Do you think they can be unbiased in that judgment? 
Do you think that they can't be affected in their ability to make the decision? If you commit to Jesus Christ, he will irrevocably change your life. You, you, you can't be unbiased in all of this. So all it means for you is, here's some things I want you to do. I want you to doubt your doubts. I want you to be skeptical about your skepticism with Christianity and the resurrection in particular. Look, please look carefully at the evidence. Please do some exploration this week. My question to your friend is, how do you account for the rise of Christianity? How do you account for the rise of the church? How do you account for Northside Community Church and the fact that you're listening to this now? And please, please do not say to me, well, that's because... They were naive and gullible back then, those primitive people. And, you know, I'm, I'm refined, I'm modern, I've grown up, I've matured. Please. <laughs> the notion of a bodily resurrected Jesus was as stupid and as crazy and as unscientific to a first century Palestinian as it was to you today. Please, come on. Please don't be that intellectually lazy. If, if, if you don't want to believe in Christianity, that, that, that's okay. But I'm just saying to you, please don't shrug and laugh it off. Please just, if you're willing, eat more than the entree this Sunday. This is just, I'm just giving you Easter eggs, the little red tulips. Theological Easter eggs tonight. But come back for more next week. Actually, come back for the real meal next week. Stay with us a little while longer. Listen and closely ascertain the facts. But let me now talk to my brothers and sisters. Fellow Christians, what do you think Christianity is? What do you really think it is? <laughs> do you think it's sort of, well, you know, I'm not going to have much fun and I'm going to have to be really careful because I can't do this and I can't do that. And I better get this cleaned up and I have to watch out and I'll have to stay in line. And look, that's just the price you have to pay if you want to get into heaven. Is that what Christianity is about? Seriously, come on, are we at that place still, church? Is, is Easter for you a principle this year or is it a power? Are you a Tracy or a Taj? Because at the resurrection, God serves you notice tonight. He says, my power, is, my power exploded in my son's life. My power will explode in your life. And, and, and it's not just at the time of death, but the minute that you believe. You know, Look at the way Paul is always talking about power. He's praying for his Christian brothers and sisters. To under, I pray that you might have the power with all the saints to grasp how deep and wide. Remember his big words? How crazy the power of God is? Look, think about this. Uh, a nuclear warhead is a thousandth the power of a hurricane, and yet the Bible says that the Lord sits on the throne over a hurricane, Psalm 29. And a hurricane is just a billionth of the power of just an eruption on the surface of the sun, which is just a small star, by the way, which the Bible says the God of the universe scatters like sand. And then, of course, it's just a small sun. It's nothing compared to the power of a supernova, a millionth of the power of a supernova. And the supernova is just one of the infinite number of points in the power of the universe. So what's the power of God? What, a million universes? You know, no, Paul says, no, more, more, greater. He's even greater than that. And even as we sit here and try to imagine this, our mind starts to explode. We're not even at the outskirts of his power. And God says to you, no, it doesn't matter how weightless you feel. The gospel is put whatever you have into my hands and it will come like, through you like a freight train. It, it, it will be super abundantly more than you can imagine destroying the power of death at work in your life. It's going to explode in you tonight. And here's what it means. 
some of you, brothers and sisters, have come to this place tonight with too smaller of an ambition. You came here hoping that Christianity and Easter Sundays maybe just maybe might give you a little bit of extra inspiration this week. (laughs) And the God of the universe serves you with notice. He said, look at what I did to my son. That was just the beginning. I want you to know my power. I want you to thrill under it. I want you to feel it surging. Look, how do I put it? Have you ever, have you guys ever tried to sing and then you find that you suddenly get in front of someone that has an amazing, powerful voice? You know, I do that with a guy that we have here in our morning congregation called Clive Way. He's got a voice like thunder. And, and, and I think I'm a pretty good singer. Get the vibrato happening and everything, but... But Clive, when he sings, there is such a power, such a dunamis is the Greek word, such a power, such a dynamic thing to it, that when Clive sings, he literally sings right through you. A whole chest shakes, and even though you're singing, your voice just seems to be amplified by his voice. Christian Jesus Christ says, stand in front of me this week. Just, just listen. Listen to what's happened Listen to what happens when you begin to sing Christian. Just wait and watch and feel when I begin to sing behind you. Friends, we've got too smaller ambition this week. If the resurrection is true, if it's true, you've lost control of your life. And that's what the unconventional freedom is all about. Not the absence of restrictions. In fact, it's great that you've lost control because a freedom from him is a freedom from yourself. It's a freedom from your own sense of weightlessness. You are made beautiful and wonderful and powerful in his right, not your right. And it's a freedom from your own agenda and your small ambitions tonight. That means you've got to give yourself to him. But if you do, it means you'll be able to face anything. Let's pray.